Welcome back as we gather once more here at the Dynasty Roundtable to discuss league happenings and recent fantasy football news. We've got another food-based fantasy discussion on the menu for this episode. We're taking a dip, you dip, I dip, we dip. We're going to look at the fantasy dips and whether or not we're buying or we're going to pass and go on to the next dial. Joined by me is my friend and good colleague, TJ Knotts, everyone's favorite co-commissioner. I'm your host, trying to be with the most blanket. Madge, how have you been since the draft, and how's your weekend been? Oh, it's it's been good. Uh, really busy trying to take care of stuff for our redraft league and um, get the in-person draft squared away, the location and um, dinner plans, all that jazz. You know, we like to... We like to make it a, a pretty big celebration, so I'm glad we kind of got that squared away this weekend because, you know, we're less than two weeks away from, from our draft in that league. So um, trying to make sure everything is, is good to go and, and look forward to having you back in that weekend as well. I'm looking forward to it. And now word on the street is that there's going to be some smoked meat. Is that correct? Oh, we hope so, uh, <laughs> unless I have another snafu like i did yesterday and drop it all on the ground prior to putting it on the smoker i tell you though that's when i saw that happen the first thing i thought of was that's 100 percent what would happen to me if i even remotely attempted to smoke meat i watched it happen and i knew the second you shared the video i was like yep it's gonna fall right off of that curved edge and then i was like mm -hmm, nope that's a that's a blanket move 100 percent Man, I, I got up super early Saturday morning, uh, had a few things I needed to get. I, I'd been, again, you know, I, I'd been waiting all week where I'd worked all week. I didn't have time to, to smoke anything. So I had all day Saturday that I'd set aside to smoke. Uh, got up at like 7, went to Walmart, get all the, the last few things I needed, came home, chopped some, some wood into the perfect size slats, got the grill, or the, the smoker rather, uh, blowing clean smoke, ready to go. Got the, the fire where I wanted it, the temp where I wanted it, trimmed the, I trimmed a rack of ribs, trimmed up a brisket flat real nice, seasoned it real nice, let it all sweat in, and then fast forward, you know, to time to set it on the grates, and I walk out, set the tray down, and lift the lid, and my world comes crashing down over in some mulch and mud and pieces of a, a bush uh, were now what all my meat were seasoned in. So uh, we ended up just going to the roadhouse with my parents that night. So it wasn't a complete loss, but I roadhouse. definitely <laughs> I definitely felt defeated. Oh, man. Well, you know, an opportunity missed to do a nice dad joke there. You, uh, you could have been like, oh, well, that's great. So before we get into the fantasy news and notes section, TJ, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up a recent retirement announcement by Chris Carson, the Seattle Seahawks running back. He was a beloved RB2 option for a number of years, in some cases a, a high-end RB1 when he was healthy. Unfortunately, the neck injury that he suffered last season, it's one of those that you, you didn't really expect him to come back, but... Just a, a shame to see somebody that fun to watch play football hang up their tweets. Yeah, for, for sure. I anybody who knows me knows my feelings towards the the Seahawks in general. Um, but that that hatred is mainly towards Pete Carroll. Um, Chris Carson, when when he was on the field, um, he was he was a solid 
solid fantasy running back for sure. He uh, he was definitely a weak winner for you when he was on the field and healthy. Um, but unfortunately, that was kind of the the stigma of his career, right? I mean, he he couldn't stay healthy. Uh, he would come out and have great games, and then you wouldn't see him again for for weeks at a time. Um, but you know. It, it kind of goes with that position, you know. The shelf life of a running back is is a lot lower than than other positions, just due to the workload and and all of the the hits they take. And you know, from the time they're they're put into the the scheme, um, their their minutes are numbered from when they're not going to be able to do it anymore, um, unless you're, I guess, Frank Gore. But uh, he's a he's the exception to the rule, I guess. Frank Frank Gore is like the the power gym or the time gym for the Marvel universe. Like it, it's just he just keeps going like that. There's no doubt that he could sign tomorrow with a random team and they can throw him out there and he probably would still pick up a first down, right? Because that, that's just Frank Gore. That's just what he does. Uh, but yeah, talking about the the shelf life of running back, I, I guess. And I don't mean to dunk on Kyler Murray again for the second episode, but I just kind of like him short. And fast. <laughs> nice. He, he's definitely. Uh, I don't know. A lot of lot of news surrounding him here late, but well, I guess we'll get into that a little while later. Uh, but seems like he's he's got some some bad uh, some bad voodoo happening out there in Arizona. Uh, it's uh, the rich do not always get richer after signing that contract extension. That's correct. But let's go ahead. And we'll dive into that, that fantasy news and see what's been going on on the gridiron. Arizona Cardinals wide receiver Marquise Hollywood Brown was recently arrested for criminal speeding after he was pulled over for going 126 miles per hour in a 65 mile per hour zone. Whiteout obviously mispracticed the day of the arrest back on Wednesday, but has since returned to practice with the team, and at this time, no disciplinary action has been reported, so it seems like basically your typical NFL slap on the wrist. Don't do that again. I mean, Madge, we knew he was fast, but I, I don't think we knew he was this fast. <laughs> uh, much like his play on the field, uh, just being fast really doesn't equate to much for him. No, no, it does not. <laughs> he's he's been a big of, disappointment. Speaking of disappointments and not equating to much, uh, it's something that's been talked about a lot, and we don't have to talk about it for long, but it does merit noting that Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension is being appealed by the NFL, and it's the NFL's determination to indefinitely suspend Deshaun Watson. The timetable we're looking at right now is for sure most likely all of this season for 2022 and potentially even further on into the future. And it's something that I think we as a fantasy community and a football community are glad to see in the sense that the, the six game suspension and the way that the NFL goes about doling out their suspensions doesn't quite seem to make sense. And I think hopefully Roger Goodell takes a good long look at the policies and procedures and changes some of the suspension lengths and reasonings. But Definitely news that seems at least positive for those that have been affected by this whole murky situation that, that is the Deshaun Watson experience right now. 
Right. We we've talked about it a lot. Um, you know, based on what what he's done and and what has been proven to this point. Obviously, he he's a scumbag, and to to compare what he's done to what they're tossing out six plus game suspensions to is um not even comparable right um i shared earlier the the hopkins news you know about the the performance enhancing drug allegation and how minute he was over the the threshold and it was in you know six games for something that small um but something on the scale of of what watson's done is six games too it just it doesn't make sense. Um, I, I don't care how good at football you are in, in any career when, when you make mistakes like that. You know, that they're going to bleed over, and I, I hate that football um, seems to be the the exception there. They they find ways to, to work around that, but I really, I really hope that Goodell makes an example of him because they've done a very poor job with – these kinds of things in the past, but we'll see, I guess. Time will tell, but for now, it's, it's safe to say hands-off in terms of at least redraft for Deshaun Watson, which is a bit ironic because if he would have done the same thing, we wouldn't be in this position right now. So uh, we'll move on in the news here. Matthew Stafford, the Super Bowl-winning quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams, is reportedly dealing with thrower's elbow. Additional reports indicate this summer Stafford received an injection for that elbow. He has been taking reps in 7-on-7 drills recently since then with very little to no reports of limitations. It's still something that you'll want want to monitor as preseason approaches and more importantly with fantasy draft season right around the corner. Actually, some drafts going on right now. TG, let me ask you, are you in or are you out on Matthew Stafford based on this news right now? I don't think it's going to change a whole lot um, with with the team that, that Stafford is on. Um, I, I would take a hurt Matthew Stafford over a healthy Jared Goff, so I, I think I think he's going to be just fine. Um, I I personally have a terrible case of like chronic, uh, I guess tennis elbow and. After I go, you know, play disc golf or something, you know, sometimes I'm I can't I can't do much with my arm for weeks. So I hope that whatever he's got going on is nowhere near to the extent of that because it's pretty debilitating. But the fact that you know he can just get an injection and seems to have no limitations, I'm I'm optimistic that he's going to be just fine going into into the season. And he should be as an NFL veteran who's certainly dealt with his share of injuries over time, but still is one of those guys that I would definitely list as a, an Iron Man type player. If, if he can play, he's going to play, or he will play through a certain injury if it's not too serious. And, and this one doesn't sound that serious. Just seems like it's going to be a week to week maintenance. The only frustrating part I think that fantasy managers might end up coming across is having that cue pop up. <laughs> on your roster from week to week, but I still think he's going to be a, a solid QB one that you can grab in the mid rounds, especially in a league where you only start one quarterback. So uh, to your point, uh, I think he's going to be okay. And we all can just do a, a woo saw for Matt Stafford here. 
And let's try and end this news on a positive note since we've talked a little bit about the negative side of the fantasy world. The Pittsburgh Steelers and star wideout Deontay Johnson have reached an agreement that will extend his contract for two more years with the team, and he's set to make $18.35 million per year. It's great news for current Deontay Johnson owners and for those alike who might have been hesitant before to draft him at his current ADP. He was going towards the beginning of the fourth round with this contract extension. I would say he'll probably rise into the end of the third round, maybe a little bit earlier. Although there are some hesitations with Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett at quarterback, but I think that Deontay Johnson has proven himself with his talent on the field time and time again, especially in PPR leads to be consistent at the very least. He was, you know, every year I get lucky and find a kind of dominant in the rough wide receiver historically. And, uh, Deontay Johnson was that guy for me last season. Um, there was, wasn't a real lot of hop surrounding him, you know, pre-draft and even, you know, the first week or two, you know, it was, is he going to be consistent? Is he going to keep it up? And, and the fact was, was yes, <laughs> he was going to keep it up. Uh, he proved that, um, he, he was a elite performer and, um, I do, I do have my concerns that his numbers are going to suffer a little bit based on who's throwing the ball now, but, uh, he, you know, he's proven that he can do it. So I guess we'll, We'll see. I, I'm not as high on him this season um, as I was last season, but um, again, he's a good ball player, and uh, hopefully, uh, he he's he's able to earn that money. And I was mine for myself personally. I was glad to see him get the extension. I certainly think he's he's earned it in what he's produced on the field. Uh, this is a guy that caught 107 passes last year for over 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. Granted, that was from a beleaguered Big Ben or what was left of Big Ben. So I think Mitch Trubisky is someone that he's had success with the lights of Allen Robinson before. So I feel like Deontay Johnson should be fine, but there's still obviously some hesitation with that quarterback situation being so unknown. Uh, But even at worst, if you're getting Deontay Johnson in round three and you took a, a wide receiver in round one or two and to get that balance for your roster, I think he makes for a, a solid wide receiver too. And if you can get him in round four where he's currently been going, uh, to me that's a that's a draft day steal, and that's coming from somebody that uh, makes his money off of, of sniping people left and right for a, a living. Um, with that, let's go ahead and we will segue, and we'll uh, take a dip. So TJ, this is a a fun fantasy discussion. We're going to go grocery shopping, and I'm going to ask you if you are buying this fantasy dip or if you're going to pass and move on to the next aisle. So our first fantasy dip is that it's a classic, right? You, You can count on it almost every time, so much so that you kind of forgot or maybe just got so used to it that you forgot just how solid this this dip is. And I'm talking about French onion dip, whether it's Frito-Lay, whether it's the Kroger or Walmart brand, doesn't matter. French onion dip is just consistent, right? And when you go to the grocery store, you're just like, oh, you know what? 
yeah, French onion dip. Let's uh, let's grab some of that. Let's grab some, grab some ruffles, and let's let's make it a night. Let's have a nice snack. So the players that I think most closely represent French onion dip are going to be Ezekiel Elliott. His average draft position right now is 29, so that's about the beginning of the third round. Somebody that used to be a top four, top five pick year in, year out, but let's be realistic. He had knee issues last year, played through those. He's 27. He's not getting any under. Tony Pollard is chomping at his heels as we speak to try and, and break in and take over that backfield. I don't think that happens this season, but there are a lot of things in work here that have pushed Ezekiel Elliott down into that third-round range. And then the Nets player is Juju Schmitz-Schuster. His average draft position is 88, about the beginning of round eight. And this is a player that we saw how good he was in Pittsburgh back with Antonio Brown. Now he goes to Kansas City. Is he the number one wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes? That remains to be seen. But I think Travis Kelsey, let's be honest, is probably going to be the air wide receiver one now with Tyree Kill out of town. So he's got an eerily similar opportunity here with a good quarterback from Patrick Mahomes, getting work out of the slot where he'll probably work out of the most. It, it could All of the stars could align for Juju Schmitz-Schuster to have a, a solid season once again and be just as good as you remember French onion dip being. So, Madge, I'll throw to you. Are you buying either of these players at their current price point? So... Ezekiel Elliott, for me, um, I'm leaving him on the shelf. Uh, I, I think uh, I think he's a a player that, like you said, historically has, has been a top five pick. Uh, there were years that that he was a league winner, um, but but I think we're past that. And honestly, I kind of feel bad for for Tony Pollard because I think Tony Pollard has that potential to be an RB one in a lot of places. Um, but due to being in Dallas and them having Elliott, he has, I don't want to say wasted, but he's kind of, his career's been backburnered, happened to, to take a back seat to the, to the Elliott show. And I think Pollard has really proven that, you know, he can step into that role. And, you know, third round is very early for me. And, and I'm, I'm speaking, in my opinion, in terms of redraft leagues or, you know, dynasty leagues. Elliot is not a player that that I'm going to go for in the third round, especially. I think there's still way too much value um, in both formats for me to to take that French onion dip. So I'm going to leave that. Now, Juju in the eighth round, that's a little more tempting to me. Um, I I liked Juju um, mostly for one one reason, and that that's because he hit perfect. That that one time that that's mainly the reason that that I even care that that Juju is in the NFL. But he had he had some really good seasons, um, and he's yet to prove um, that he he's really that stud number one receiver. I, I really think he was the benefactor of of having Antonio Brown um, and having Antonio Brown pull a lot of the, that coverage that, that opened him up for the numbers that he put up. Um, but I do think going to Kansas City um, is going to help him out. I, I think that he's going to be a a good role player for that team, and I think in the eighth round, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go any sooner, but I, I think in both formats, I would probably take that French onion deal. 
I, I think for for me, it's probably going to actually surprisingly be the opposite. I I would I would buy. Here here's the only reason why I would buy Ezekiel Elliott at his current price point. So if I started my draft and I went with a rock solid wide receiver one, and then I went with a, a positive upside running back in round two, and I need an upside RB2. There towards the beginning of the third round on the turn, I feel like Ezekiel Elliott has in a vacuum and redraft specifically. If it were Dynasty, no way I'm touching Ezekiel Elliott. I'm going to let somebody else who's in win-now mode get him. Absolutely not. I'm going to leave that on the shelf as well. But in redraft in a vacuum, I just feel like Zeke is going to be one of those players that wants to prove to everybody this season that he's still got it. And he may or may not. We're going to find out this season one way or the other. But I feel like some people might be passing up on the the overlooked value of Zeke and what he can do in a vacuum this season. Because I feel like a lot of people are expecting Tony Pollard to have a, a James Conner-esque season. If you think all the way back to 2018, when Conner first burst onto the scene after Le'Veon Bell held out for contract, contractual reasons, nobody really saw that coming. You got James Conner off of the waiver wire. The difference here being Tony Pollard is going to be like a, a ninth, 10th round pick. Uh, but I feel like... Zeke is just destined to to have that swan song this season, and I think some people are going to be upset that they missed it when they could have had him in the third round at a discount. Uh, so I'm I'm actually going to take the discount on Zeke and pass and leave Juju Schuster on the shelf only because it's been so long since we've seen Juju on that beat be that explosive slot receiver that we saw in Pittsburgh. I, I just think there's a lot to figure out with those Kansas City wide receivers. I, I feel like it's just going to be a lot of Travis Kelsey every Sunday. And then we're, we'll have some some Juju Wheats. We'll have some Sky Moore Wheats. We'll have some MVS Wheats, Marvis, Marquez, Valdez-Scantling. Uh, and then we might even have some Nicole Hardman Wheats. So I, for me in the eighth round, there are other guys that I like with a little more upside. Um, say like a, a Gabriel Davis in Buffalo with, with Josh Allen. that has got a little bit more rapport uh, with that quarterback, whereas Juju, he still needs to, to figure Mahomes out. He, he very well, I could regret not taking Juju Smith-Schuster, but I I just feel like Zeke is, is too much of a value there in round three that if, if he's there when I'm on the clock, it, it, he's going to be hard to pass up, just, just to be honest. But that's only... Only in a redraft scenario, right? Just to clarify, correct. that's yeah, Cor- correct. Because I, I in just, Dynasty, I, there's no, I wouldn't. It's funny because you you, you switch the the lead type, and it's like, nope, I'm not touching him with a ten foot pole. Right, and and that that you know that's me, but I still I still stay to the side that redraft or um or Dynasty formats, I'm I'm passing on it. But but I can definitely see, you know, hey. Maybe he does have have that swan song year and comes back and uh, shows us a little glimpse of of the Zeke of the past. What's our What's our next dip? So the next dip, let's get a little spicy here, Madge. How, how do you feel about that? You you like some spice, right? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, who who doesn't? But I will curtail. I I or I should say I preface rather. I I do not like my face to melt. I like a little bit of heat, but I don't want to be in pain when I'm having said heat with my food. So J.K. Dobbins, his 
average draft position right now is 48, back into the fourth round. And the news out of training camp has not been positive thus far. He could fall even into the fifth round, potentially, because it doesn't appear that he's going to be ready for week one. We're not sure if Gus Edwards is going to be ready for week one. We very well could see Mike Davis trotting out onto the field, starting running back week one for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Let's be honest, Lamar Jackson is actually their RB1, but we digress. J.K. Dobbins is somebody that, if you remember the end of his rookie season, he showed us everything that you wanted to see in a fantasy running back to be a top 12 guy. Now, I don't think J.K. Dobbins this year has the potential to break into that top five, so I, I won't be that spicy. But jalapenos have a little bit of spice, right? And who doesn't like jalapeno cheddar dip? So when I think of J.K. Dobbins, I, I think of that nice scoops Frito-Lay chip. You go right into the jalapeno cheddar, and you just enjoy it, and it's great. But then you got to remember, if you have too much of it, it might come back to, to bite you. And that's the case with J.K. Dobbins. You can get him in round four if you want him. But again, kind of like with Zeke, it all depends on how the draft falls, right? If you go for, say, that Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup in round one, and then in rounds two and three, you get two rock-solid running backs. I like J.K. Dobbins this year more so as my RB3 with upside than my RB2, and I, I certainly wouldn't slam wide receiver the first couple rounds and just think, oh, Everybody's sleeping on J.K. Dobbins. I'm going to get him as my RB1. He's a league winner the second half of the season. Joke's on you all. I'm not that confident in him. And yet, I think he's he's worth consideration in that fourth to fifth round range because if he comes back the second half of the season, he very well could win you your lead. It's just you might want to be cautionary on, on where you draft him. So, TJ, I'll, I'll throw it to you here. Are you... Are you taking a dip with J.K. Dobbins, or are you also just like with Zeke gonna gonna leave that on the shelf as well? Yeah, I, I'm I'm leaving that on the shelf. Um, I think there's uh, and and now now I I've gotta gotta clarify here. If this is a redraft league, and depending on how everything else goes, um, in redraft, if he fell to me in the fourth round, I would be a little more tempted to take that dip. Um, in a dynasty league, no, not not at all. Um, he he's not. I I really feel like um, the Ravens are kind of at a a do or die point to where they're they're really gonna have to to start making a lot of changes. Um, they they had their run, and then now they've kind of slid back a little bit, and we know that they've. They've not had much luck at the running back position in a while, and and I think, um, at J.K. Dobbins, this is nothing against Dobbins. I think Dobbins is an excellent running back. The injury, um, really hurt him. No pun, no pun intended. But uh, he he's kind of a uh, an unknown for me, and and I feel like the fourth round, especially in dynasty, is a little too soon to gamble. Um, for high upside, but I, I agree with you. You know, I would rather him be a RB three. You know, something in a flex with some upside, as opposed to being my RB two. Um, but you know, you never know. I always hope uh, my buddies' teams do well, unless they're playing mine. So, 
John's John's dealt with enough crap in the backfield uh, after drafting everybody on their their roster last year and still not having a starting running back. So hope he does well for John's sake. Oh my goodness! And that speaking of which, I'll never forget that that back to back pick because he had the first overall pick last year and again this year. John, how do you? Um, we're curious how you do that. What's your tell? Tell us your teach us. What what is your secret? Although I, I can't really say much. I'm, I've been the, the second overall pick two years in a row now as well in, in the AT3 league. So I, I can't tell you what my secret is. I have just luck. That's a, that's all fantasy football is, right? But I think it was rounds five and six or round six and seven, thereabouts. And he takes both J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. <laughs> Dobbins, of course, uh, we found out, you know, he, he was just hoping that maybe the injury wasn't that bad we didn't know it was an acl at that time while he was drafting and then with gus edwards at the time it was a savvy pick because he was still healthy and then literally i think the next week or thereafter maybe two weeks after no more gus edwards also tears his acl and so it it was i just you, you couldn't have gotten more unlucky in that situation so yeah john i i really do hope that the the baltimore running back room gets back to to full health at some point this season and I, and I think we'll see it but i'm i'm with you on this one man i'm just i'm leaving as much as i love jalapeno cheddar dip i'm leaving this particular can on the shelf however this nets can i might be putting in my shopping cart mr unlimited russell wilson his average draft position right now is 77 towards the middle of round seven and Unlike J.K. Dobbins, he's fully healthy. He did deal with a little bit of a hand injury last year, and he's taken a a little bit of a tumble in drafts this year, I think because people may still have that stench of how he was or how he wasn't, I should say, last year. But you have to remember, this is a guy that's a perennial top 10 fantasy quarterback. He's had some seasons where he's been in the top five, and now he's a part of a Denver Broncos offense that's chock full of weapons. I, I really do believe that Cortland Sutton is going to be Denver's version of DK Metcalf, and I think most everyone pegs Jerry Judy to be Tyler Lockett, but better. And then he's got Javante Williams out of the backfield, Melvin Gordon, both can catch passes. Melvin Gordon a little bit better than Javante right now in terms of pass-catching ability. And then you've got Alio. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his last name. I know I'll butcher it. And then you've also got Greg Dolchitz as a rookie who's getting some hype in training camp as well. So I think you've got nothing but upside for Russell Wilson and to go in round seven in a, a one QB lead. This is a guy that can finish well above the top six. He could be a top four, top five quarterback. So if you're getting that in round seven, I'm all in. I'm, I'm, I'm getting all, all those cans of, of that jalapeno cheddar dip, baby. How, how about you, TJ? You know, on, on Russell Wilson. And again, I go back to you guys know my feelings on the Seahawks, but Russell Wilson, um, he's he's a stud. There, there's no doubt about it. And at at round seven, in any format, whether that be um, dynasty or redraft, yeah, he he's a value there. Um, and I can guarantee. But for those of you that don't know, our um, AT three league uh, quarterback stats are slightly inflated. He will not last around seven. Um, if he gets out of round five, I think it would surprise me. 
Um, and he, he's coming in. Uh, I, I think... I really feel like this could be one of those situations. Um, they didn't have the same spark as the Rams, so I, I'm not I'm not pairing them identically. But I do think that Russell Wilson is the difference on this roster to make the Broncos a contender this year. I think it. I think it was. You know, they weren't missing a lot. They they had the weapons on offense. Their defense, top five defense, they are going to be a good football team, and I think Russell Wilson gives them their best chances to be a contender this year. So I, I wouldn't count the Broncos out. So I, I would definitely, definitely take that dip. And not only that, but I, if you think back in terms of Denver Bronco quarterbacks, you have to look no further than when Peyton Manning came over from the Indianapolis Colts, he was fantasy gold for two straight seasons with the lights of Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. And I think it's, I don't want to say it's completely copy-paste here with Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, but I feel like it's going to be really close. And to your point in our AT3, AT3 draft, there's no way, like you said, he gets out of the fifth round. Uh, quarterbacks are just valued a little bit more. Now, in terms of dynasty, let me flip the script here just a little bit, would you still take Russell Wilson in a dynasty startup league? I'm, I'm curious because I, I would be a little more hesitant. It would depend on the round that I'm getting him as to whether or not I I want that spicy upside. So we're, we're talking round seven is what we've got here. You know, seven uh, ADP's got him at 77. Is that what you got? Um, Correct. I mean, but, he might be a little bit higher in, in Dynasty per. It would depend on the the type of startup. If, if you're, if we're looking you know, at super flex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's 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 what I was about to say. If we're going with our startup where we are super flex, hands down, absolutely taking him. Um, the only way I wouldn't is it, you know if it were a one quarterback league, uh, depending on what I drafted prior, it would be something to consider. Um, if I didn't need him. Uh, but in our league, Superflex, I, I think he's a good pickup, at a, a good value at round seven. And so we'll move into the, the next dip, and this is probably the, the most fun dip on this list. And, you know, in hindsight, it's always 2020. I probably should have also included two players in the fun dip category, but alas, here we are. We'll have to make do with Buffalo Chicken Dip, and there's two players that remind me of this particular dip. So, you know, Buffalo chicken dip is usually one that you look forward to every year at a certain family gathering or holiday, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, and you get the Thanksgiving game for the NFL. The Lions are always losing to somebody, right? I mean, if you're a Lions fan, what makes you feel better? Buffalo chicken dip. It's so good. But unfortunately, you usually end up eating too much. You end up regretting it, and afterwards you... You probably just feel disappointed as a human being and, and need a nap, right? And so I feel like George Kittle, right off the bat, fits that, that description. He's going ADP right now at about the 42nd pick, so that's towards the end of the fourth round, and he's somebody that historically has been solid at the tight end position, he being when he's healthy and when he's on the field, which unfortunately for most of his career has been few and far between. So he's a, a tight end that while great, is hard to trust. So I wonder, with him being in the fourth round for you, TJ, does that have you 
putting them in your shopping cart, or are you pushing on past and, and going on to check out what other dips are available? Um, you know, I when there's such a premium on Tadians in our dynasty league, um, it, it's a little more tempting. But with his record um, here of recent, I'm going to pass on him in the round in um, probably both formats. Uh, and, and the reason is, is if, if I'm taking a gamble anyway, I would probably rather wait a little bit later and take a gamble on, on some, some new rookie tight end that's got some hops surrounding him. Um, he's just, uh, he, he's an excellent, he's an excellent baller. Um, when, when he's healthy, when he's on the field, he, he's undoubtedly, um, and, an elite guy. And, and, you know, he's, you know, there, there was, what was it last year? No, it was the year before, right? When, you know, between Kelsey and Andrews and Kittle, there was just a huge drop off. You know, Kittle was in that conversation as that top tier. And, and I just, based on his time on the field, he's not really been able to live back up to that point. Um, so I, I think I would personally uh, kind of shade away from, from taking him there. What's your feelings? I, I feel like I would have to leave George Kittle on the shelf as well. And, and the only reason I would take him as my tight end in either Dynasty Startups or in Redraft would be if I were completely going into the draft with, with a game plan of not punting the quarterback position, but waiting until about the the round eight to round nine range where Trey Lance is currently going and, and scooping him up and getting that that particular stack but even then it's a stack that i'm it's kind of wishy-washy because you're you're hoping you're putting a lot of your eggs into one basket so to speak because you you want george kittle to to be that top three tight end and he may or may not get there depending upon his health and then also there is still that element of unknown with trey lance where everybody myself included being a trey lance owner across multiple dynasty leagues I bought that ticket to Betrain. I'm putting the coal in the fire every week, and I'm I'm hoping it choo-choos all the way to a championship. But the fact of the matter is, there's no guarantee that Trey Lance is that guy. We hope he's that guy. We want him to be that guy. But there's a very real possibility and outcome that he just isn't that guy that we all thought he was, and that's not going to help George Kittle or your fantasy football team. And so having both of them on your team is a risk it's about as risk reward as it gets so with that i it's it's basically the equivalent to picking up the jalapeno i'm sorry the buffalo chicken dip sniffing it it kind of smells funny and you're just not really quite sure about it but it's buffalo chicken dip so you think about scooping your chip in but you just got to do what's right for you and your body and just say no it's george kittle this year now let's move on to a player that i am all in, baby. We can hear the journeys. Don't stop believing. Just slowly playing in the background here for Mr. Allen Robinson, A-Rob. His average draft position right now is 71. He's going towards the end of round six. And he is now a part of a Rams offense that I think is pretty much just destined to injury aside. Or the only thing that would stop them, of course, would be injury. And that's the case for any offense these days. I feel like they're going to run it back. The The team is just designed to 
have as, as close to a similar season as they did before. And I I think everyone would be shocked if they're they're not the odds on favorites to repeat to go back to the Super Bowl. Now whether or not they'll win, we'll we'll have to see who's on the other side of the the field there. But I feel like Allen Robinson this is going to be that year where it's like like we talked about before. Either you're gonna be right and he just is not the wide receiver that we all thought he was, or Leonard's gonna be right and Matt Stafford is going to make Allen Robinson a draft day steal. Uh, sure, Cooper Cup is there, and he is the guy. And he's going in round one as high as the 102 overall. I understand that. That's fine. Take him at your leisure. I don't blame you at all. He can, can win you a fantasy championship for sure. But I just feel like Matthew Stafford's going to realize he's got this shiny new toy in Allen Robinson, and I feel like he's going to want to play with that toy uh, from week to week. And I, I just feel like Allen Robinson, will he return to, you know, his, his Jaguar days? No. no, I'm not saying that at all. But can he be a rock solid wide receiver two with some wide receiver one weeks? Absolutely. And if you're getting that in the sixth round, think of it this way. Allen Robinson might be your your wide receiver four by that point in the draft. Give me all of that. All day long, I'm 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 leaving no stitch of buffalo chicken left in, the, in that that dip bowl. See, for me, it's it's about the opposite. You you know my feelings there. I really think Allen Robinson's stint in Los Angeles is going to be very similar to OBJ's. Um, he's going to make some plays. He's gonna he's gonna catch a few balls, catch a few touchdowns. He's not, it's not going to be the Allen Robinson show, and I'm not buying that dip. Um, and and you, you know how I feel about that, and, and no disrespect to Allen Robinson. There's a lot of mouse to feed in Los Angeles, and he's not, you know, he, he's not a, he's not a stud receiver. Um, he's a good receiver, and he's, again, going to be very similar to OBJ there. If I had drafted, um, several good receivers leading up to that point is the only way I would consider, you know, having him as a back burner flex. Um, but I, I wouldn't draft him with any expectations. That's just kind of where I stand. And that that's fair because Aldo Beckham Jr. You came into Los Angeles with the, a lot of the the same pedigree and hope, and he he really didn't deliver. Like you said, he he had some flashy plays. He made some nice catches. He got a touchdown or two here or there, but ultimately just was not the OBJ of past. And so that's that's the other side of the Allen Robinson coin, right? Is he could be he could essentially be washed at this point. Let's be honest. His season last year in Chicago was disgusting. Was not good. And very hard to defend as an, an Alan Robinson truther. So I think we're, we're going to find out the truth this season and see just who Alan Robinson is. And so I, it's one of my favorite storylines in fantasy to watch unfold. Uh, and it's going to be interesting for sure. But I don't blame you at all for leaving, for not touching that either of these buffalo chicken dips. They're, uh, they might be out of date. Let's just say that. <laughs> And so let's move on to probably everyone's least favorite spinach artichoke dip. It's it's that dip that uh, doesn't really get a lot of love at parties or it's forgot about on the table, but it's probably, well, I haven't really done the research, but it's probably the healthiest dip available and the best snack for you in the long run. 
And so we're going to talk about two players here that fit in that mold as well. And these are players that you may have forgotten about or may have left a bad taste in your mouth in years past just because they're they're not quite the player that they used to be. But that doesn't mean that they still can't help your fantasy roster as a whole for the season as it goes along. And so we're talking about guys like Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks, whose ADP currently is 89, so he's towards the middle of round eight. Uh, both eight-rounder round eight guys here. Melvin Gordon's ADP is 96. He's basically the last pick in round eight, uh, sometimes falling into that round nine or 10 range. And these are two guys that at one time were rock-solid fantasy options. Since then, they've had varying things happen in their careers. DK Metcalf's came along for Tyler Lockett. Javante Williams has came along for Melvin Gordon. And the offenses have certainly changed, but I think both of these guys can be very helpful for your fantasy roster in terms of depth or that weekly last flex position. And I think you'll be glad that you took the dip on these players. Now, with me saying that, I think I'm I'm in on both of these guys in a vacuum for redraft this year. Dynasty, again, I, there ain't no way I'm dipping my chip anywhere near that bold. Just get get that out of here. But for you, TJ, are are you interested in either Mr. Lockett or Melvin Gordon this year? Between the two, um, I I think I think the eighth round is maybe a a tad early, but if I were going to take one, and I and I did take one, um, on on one of my squads is is Melvin Gordon, um, and that that's based on sheer volume. He's going to be a pass catching back. Bill Williams is is proven, um, so I I feel like Gordon has a little bit more upside now in the dynasty format. I think. Both of these players are probably on the backside of their career, um, so they're they're not going to be something that that you're going to hang on to, and they're going to help you two three years from now because that that's just not the case here. But in a, a redraft league, to to pick if I had to pick one of these guys up and and I'm buying in on one of them, I take Melvin Gordon, um, especially in a, a PPR format because he he is going to get he is going to get some some passes his way. Yes, Williams is there and and is expected to take the bulk of the load, but you know James White is who I like to keep in mind. You know he was still a a viable fantasy option. You know even as just a third down back. So I would I would probably take the the Melvin Gordon and and I would probably fade a little bit on the Tyler Lockett, uh, especially with uh, you know I think the the changes in the off season has went to benefit Melvin Gordon at that rate and, and the opposite for Tyler Lockett with losing Russell Wilson. But I think there's a lot to to consider there. And then I, I think Russell Wilson um, helped going to Denver for, for Gordon. So it was kind of – it hurt one and helped the other a little bit. But we'll see. I guess we'll see how that one plays out. Absolutely, and just as a reminder with Melvin Gordon, for those that think at age 29, you know, he's he's pretty well done, and it's Javante Williams' season. This is a guy that had 10 total touchdowns last year, 8 rushing, 2 receiving, 918 rushing yards, and a total of 213 receiving yards, so essentially a little over 1,100 yards total, 
and somebody that finished as the RB22 in PPR and RB17 in standard leads. So he's Melvin Gordon's still got some value, and I, I think he's... I wouldn't say he's being overlooked. I feel like he's being drafted appropriately, but he's going to be that one guy in round eight or round nine where you pick him up and the rest of the league goes, ah, man, forgot about Melvin Gordon. Good pick. Good, good pick. And speaking of picks, let's go ahead and move into our last segment here. We'll go to the waiver wire winners and wowzers of the week for our dynasty startup league. So, TJ, this is our waiver wire winners and wowses of the week. Future Hall of Famers, a.k.a. Donner, added some much-needed bench depth with Arby's Philip Lindsay of the Indianapolis Colts and Samaje Pirine of the Cincinnati Bengals to go along with a pair of wide receivers in Josh Reynolds and Tutu Atwell. Uh, these particular additions, uh, I think, will be nice for him as the season goes along. Heaven forbid, of course, obviously Donner is somebody that needs a lot of things to go right. Emphasis on a lot. But if Jonathan Taylor goes down and Naeem Hines isn't able to take on that full workload, or if they ended up signing Philip Lindsay to be that first and second down back in the event that, heaven forbid, Jonathan Taylor misses an extended amount of time, that might be a waiver wire steal. Um, Josh Reynolds and Tutu Atwell, receivers that have had some promise in the preseason at, at times, but haven't really gotten a chance to, to shine on the field just yet, so it's kind of a, a wait and see for them. Now, with Samanje Pirine, all of the news out of training camp says or points to Chris Evans being that backup heir apparent to Joe Mixon in Cincinnati right now, but Pirine has gotten the work before, and he's been efficient and effective for fantasy as well in spot starts. So uh, basically, essentially a lot of, of spot start guys, but, but guys that he needs per his team construction right now as it is. Uh, let's move on to Team John King. I think he had the wowza of the week, adding Mr. Will, Will Disley, big country at tight end, who is a, a bit of a long shot to have fantasy relevancy. He's behind Noah Fant on the death chart there in Seattle. Uh, Noah Fant is somebody that came over as a part of that Russell Wilson trade with Drew Locke. He was one of Locke's targets. I, I'm just not sure Will Disley really sees the field all that much other than as a blocking tight end, but I, I do understand it's a tight end premium league. Uh, TJ, talk us through some of these waiver wire picks and, and your thoughts. Um, in terms of the, the Will Disley, I mean, once you get to, to that certain point at the tight end position, um, you're, you're gambling for a touchdown, and, and that's it. And that, that's kind of what's happening here is, you know, at the tight end depth, especially in our league where you've got to play two, is so thin that you're at this point, you're you're picking up a tight end and your touchdown depends. So, you know, John trying to, to pull that in on his team, you know, that that's what you gotta do. You know, it's better than having taking a chance, having Will Disley, you know, taking a chance that he gets a little uh red zone dump tight end or, you know, some short tight end touchdown or some kind of short yardage uh completion here or there, you know, that's better than nothing. So um, I think that's a good pick. And then going back to Donner's, um, I, again, just in this league with 
roster's so massive that the waiver wire, you know, you're you're scraping for pennies. So, you know, both of the guys there that that the running backs that he picked up are again kind of like you said, they're they're those guys that that you pick up and you stream them for a week and you get lucky. So I I don't expect much more uh than that what they've been in the past, but you know, kudos to to Donner for um doing the things, you know, staying active to try to make his team a better team. For sure. And, and you know, at, at this point, that's that's all any of us can do on the waiver wire. Like you said, with the way that the rosters are all constructed in this specifically, the uh, the waiver wire is kind of like the the great value shelf in, in the grocery store. Um, we, we make a lot of food references on this podcast. Maybe we should be fantasy football. I, I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll figure that out and maybe rehash the name potentially. But, yeah, no, you – and here's the thing. Some, not all, some great value brand food is uh, is pretty all right and can do in a pinch. And that's exactly what some of these guys that are left out there are for all of us. So we're going to have to go – we're going to have to put on – some Macklemore and hit that thrift store. We, we've got $20 in our pocket and we're hunting for a bargain. But uh, I will say John ended up also making a, a savvy addition of Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. He's currently battling James Proch the second to be the wide receiver two behind Rashad Bateman, who is the clear, clear cut number one for at least wide receiver for Lamar Jackson, I think it's very similar to Kansas City, where, let's be honest, Mark Andrews is the number one target for Lamar Jackson, but then the pecking order would probably go Rashad Bateman. After that, it's between Proch and Tylen Wallace, and while right now all of the camp reports have Proch being that guy, all it takes is an injury, or all it takes is Wallace to step up a little bit more in the preseason, and he could overtake Proch. So I, I like the addition of Wallace just in case maybe he's got something throughout this season. He, again, might be one of those spot start guys or a bye week guy that you can throw out there, or if, heaven forbid, something happens to Rashad Bateman, then Proch becomes the number one guy, and then Wallace becomes that wide receiver, too, that could be a, a wide receiver boom-bust type of player. And our waiver wire winner of the week has to be Jay Jettas, a.k.a. Josh Weaver, he outbid two other teams, landing running back Corey Clement, who he's recently signed with the Baltimore Ravens as a much-needed death piece. Again, we talked about it at the top of the cast with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. The the future right now for week one is just unknown. So uh, we very well could see Mike Davis and Corey Clement splitting carries in week one, maybe even week two. And that could be valuable for fantasy based on, on their usage. So... Uh, Hats off to Mr. Weaver for for making that big bid. Yeah, um, so I'm not sure what happens in the Ravens' front office because it it seems that they should have a lot more money to spend to go out and get, get players. You see teams that you would imagine being maxed out based on some of the players on their rosters, able to dig deeper and find funding to to make signs, uh, signings that are crucial to helping their team win. And just all in all, you know, you you would really expect the the Ravens to really have 
dug a little deeper into their pockets and tried to acquire some, especially, you know, losing what was supposed to be their WR1 to try to up their receiver game and, and even the running back game, you know, talking about the, the Corey Clement sign. I, I really think that they they should have been a little more aggressive in the, the market this year. Um, but but I don't know, you know, they they must have a lot of faith in in some of these guys and you know, somebody's gonna come out as a, a winner in fantasy because somebody has to catch the ball, I guess. Um Mark Andrews can't catch everything. So we'll see. But but yeah, the Corey Clement with, with all the woes in that backfield, somebody's gotta run the ball, so um might as well be him. Very well could be, but just a precautionary tale, the, the Ravens also thought the same thing about guys like Devonta Freeman. And I think they, at one point, correct me if I'm wrong, also had rostered Le'Veon Bell at one point. Uh, we thought that Tyson Williams was going to be this up-and-coming guy. Uh, they did draft, uh, his first name is escaping me, I want to say it's Tyler Beatty, if I'm not mistaken, uh, late in this year's draft. So, you know, Beatty might be a guy to, to put on your, your dynasty or fantasy radar. But it's like you said, it, it does make you scratch your head a little bit because it certainly seems like they've got, I don't think Ravens lay eggs to the best of my knowledge. I'm not a <laughs> not a zoologist by any means, but I feel like they've got all of their eggs in one basket with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, and they just they really do believe that both guys are going to get back on track. And once that happens, everybody else on the death chart becomes irrelevant. And while that may hold true, it's like you said earlier, TJ, there's no guarantee that J.K. Dobbins ends up being that guy, and Gus Edwards is not getting any younger, let's be honest. He's essentially kind of in that Kareem Hunt range where you know, he might be looking to get traded by season's end and potentially maybe go somewhere like the Houston Texans or somebody that needs help at running back and maybe starts for them for one more year, but he could just as easily be a Kenyon Drake and wind up buried on somebody else's depth chart, so... It does make you wonder exactly what's going on in the Baltimore front office. Maybe we can get John on here in the future and maybe get an actual fan's perspective who might know a little bit more about what they do as a franchise. Because to me, it it does leave you wondering, what what exactly are you guys trying to accomplish here? Because I don't think Corey Clement gets the job done. If you look at his stats anywhere, they're not exactly what you would call. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, oh, yeah, impressive. That's going to wrap things up for this episode of Dynasty Roundtable, but be on the lookout for more episodes as the season rolls along. So for myself and TJ, remember, folks, don't leave points on your bench. Nobody likes that. It's no fun. And go out, get yourself some chips, get yourself some dips, and enjoy. Bye, y'all.